You're listening to KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC, Camino. Today is Tuesday, the 1st of August, and this is the KVMR Evening News. I'm Julia Jem. This year, the Golden State has been the site of dozens of union strikes and worker protests. To try and find out what it all means for the state of organized labor, the California Report takes us to a rally for newly unionized Starbucks workers in L.A. for a conversation with Lorena Gonzalez. Executive Secretary-Treasurer for the California Labor Federation. The California News Service shares how the Inflation Reduction Act can help families improve their home's energy efficiency. And retired Fed economist Gary Zimmerman joins KVMR's Paul Emery to talk about the Federal Reserve's latest interest rate hike. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Some major progress overnight in fighting a massive wildfire on the California-Nevada border. The York Fire, burning in the Mojave National Preserve, has scorched more than 80,000 acres, but is now 23% contained. The fire is burning in mostly remote areas, and no evacuations have been called for. Surveys show older adults make up a growing share of California's homeless population. To meet their demand, Sacramento County has opened a small shelter for people 60 and older who are either homeless or victims of abuse or neglect. CAP Radio's Chris Nichols has that story. It is your own room, and I love that. It's your own room, your own space. 74-year-old Herschel Walthall got connected with Natoli Place through the county's Adult Protective Services. Though he's faced hardship, the former school bus driver says the shelter offers him a new beginning. There's not a lot of places like this, so it's very unique. It's, you know, if you take advantage of it, it it's got a lot to offer. This, this has, has an actual program to actually help you. That help includes meals, case management, and connections to housing. The facility is named after recently retired Sacramento County Supervisor Don Natoli, who helped spearhead the project. Natoli says the inspiration came from an eye-opening report that found the county, due to its lack of safe house beds, was turning away an average of two people every day who qualified for placement. So you do the math, and that's well over 700 people a year uh, who were seniors, you know, abused, neglected, homeless. Several residents at the shelter have already lined up housing, including Walthall, who expects to move into a senior apartment later this week. For the California Report, I'm Chris Nichols in Sacramento. In recent months, we've seen an explosion of strikes and worker protests in California by hotel employees, Hollywood writers and actors, port workers, UC grad students in teaching positions, and healthcare professionals. But when you take them all together, what do these actions say about the state of organized labor in the Golden State? At a rally for newly unionized Starbucks workers in Los Angeles, I talked about that with Lorena Gonzalez. She's the powerful head of the California Labor Federation, an alliance of some 1,200 unions. I started by asking Gonzalez how what's been dubbed a hot labor summer by some is going. 
You know, it's going well. We're seeing hot labor summer turn into solidarity summer, and that means you have workers across the spectrum really showing up for each other. And I think that that's one of the most amazing things. We're, we're going from picket lines in Hollywood to picket lines here at Starbucks, hotels. We're seeing this up and down the state. We see that all of these workers understand that their future is tied together and that they need to stand with one another, they need to support one another. And so we're not only seeing strikes and pickets, we're seeing all all workers stand in solidarity. Is it a turning point or is that a cliche term to use? I, I think this is a movement and it's a movement that's not stopping. I mean, I don't want people to suggest, you know, we, we keep going through every month, oh, this is strike November or whatever, you know. This right, is, it'll get old. Yeah, it gets old, but no, this is a movement. I think people realize, especially our young people, that there is just one hope. There is only one beacon of hope for them to undo this really broken system, and that's the labor movement, and that's joining a union, and that's standing up to their bosses, having a voice on the job, demanding more, because the schism that has formed between the haves and the have and when you're talking about haves, we're talking about billionaires and multimillionaires and people who are just trying to make a living and stay in their home. You know, you're still relatively new in this position. The California's unionized labor force is around 16% of the workforce. Mm -hmm. What do you have to do to get that number higher? So I think we're doing it. We're really focusing on legislation that allows us, that, we, that we're not preempted from nationally in doing, to allow us to unionize more workers like we did last year with the farm worker bill in order to allow them to, to unionize easier. We're supporting unionizing workers. We're still pushing for federal labor law reform. That's what we need. But what we need is a workforce that understands that this is their only hope, and we're getting that. You know, when you see there are 10,000 student workers at CSU who are trying to form a union, they're graduating student workers throughout UC that went on strike last year. I really think the future of labor is the future of our young people because the way the system is right now, it does not work. You know, I talk to a lot of business owners who, who say, and corporate leaders who say, you know, you're trying to get employers to solve the problems of California's wider society, like the cost of living, like the cost of housing. Is there something to that argument that there's a ceiling, they can only do so much? No, the, the corporate class and employers caused this issue. You know, when you look at apartments being bought up by hedge funds and, and by, um, you know, these huge corporations and then driving the prices up. But you I'm know, sure there are industries who would say, we didn't cause that. I mean, blame that industry, but we're not behind the cost of living increases in California. I mean, do they have a point? Uh, you know, I, I disagree. I'm, I'm looking for that benevolent um, employer out there, that benevolent corporation whose CEO isn't making a thousand times more than their average worker who hasn't denied their worker the ability to enter and stay securely in the middle class. The problem is we have produced more billionaires in California than anywhere else in the world and that's been at the cost of working men and women. All right, Lorena Gonzalez of the California Federation of Labor, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. And a note of disclosure, I have a family connection to Lorena Gonzalez. She's a cousin. Support for the California Report comes from Paint Care. Now with 850 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. Guideline. Their automated 401k plans can be set up in 20 minutes. More at guideline.com CA. Guideline, the California way to 401k. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food on the web at theschmidt.org. 
And finally, today's the first day of August. And if you feel like starting the month by getting out for summer fun, there are plenty of things to do this week in the state. Like up in Eureka, the week-long Eureka Street Art Festival is kicked off, featuring the creation of lots of murals downtown. In Southern California, there are surfing competitions in both Huntington Beach and Redondo Beach. And if it's music you want in Concord, the Concord Jazz Around Town Festival starts tomorrow. And in Napa, the music in the Vineyard Chamber Music Series continues for most of this month. And that is the California Report for Tuesday, August 1st. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. As always, thanks for listening and have a great day out there. Increasing the energy efficiency of your home can save you a lot of money in the long run, but adding insulation and upgrading appliances can be very expensive. The California News Service brings us news about how our state will receive almost $600 million next year to help low- and middle-income families upgrade their homes. Suzanne Potter has more. Starting next year, low- and middle-income families in California are expected to be able to apply for up to $14,000 in grants to make their home more energy efficient. The Federal Department of Energy has just released guidelines that allow California to receive $582 million from President Biden's Inflation Reduction Act. Melissa Yu with the Sierra Club says families will get big discounts on electric heat pumps, water heaters, stoves, and dryers. Especially for households with lower incomes, up to 100% of the appliance and the insulation costs are going to be discounted at purchase. Rebates will also cover upgrades to your breaker box, electric wiring, heating and air conditioning systems, and insulation. The California Energy Commission is expected to move quickly and open up applications early next year. The idea is to reduce indoor air pollution from gas appliances, which contribute to premature death and bronchitis. Yu says everyone needs to switch from gas-burning appliances to models that run on electricity generated from renewable sources like solar and wind. In California, homes and buildings are roughly responsible for 25% of total greenhouse gas emissions. But the more we're putting out all of these polluting appliances, the more we're going to exacerbate the issue. Just over 40% of California's energy still comes from fossil fuels like oil and gas that spew carbon emissions and drive climate change, which is linked to the fires, drought, and floods that have ravaged the state. Energy efficiency upgrades can provide greater climate resilience against extreme heat and cold snaps, wildfire smoke, and air pollution. For California News Service, I'm Suzanne Potter. Find our eight trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org. Turning now to local news. In Monday's newscast, we shared the union story about the homicide on the San Juan Ridge. Anthony Eric Stewart, a 72-year-old North San Juan man, was arrested for murder on Sunday, July 30th, but the deceased was not identified when we went to air. According to an updated version of that same Union article, the victim was identified today as 61-year-old Daniel Joseph Liedl of Nevada City. The Sacramento Bee reports that a wildfire burned over five acres near Folsom on Monday after starting in a grassy field near Highway 50. More than 50 firefighters responded to a two-acre fire near Prairie City Road. By the time units arrived on scene, the fire had spread to Iron Point Road, burning a wooded area immediately off the freeway and threatening a solar panel complex. Additional engines from El Dorado Hills Fire Department 
Cal Fire, Sacramento Metropolitan Fire District, and Folsom Prison Fire were dispatched to the scene and the fire was contained about an hour and a half later. By the time it was extinguished, the fire had burned more than five acres. Turning now to a look at the regional weather forecast from the National Weather Service. In Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 58. Wednesday, sunny with a high near 83. Wednesday night, mostly clear with a low around 56. For Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 47. Wednesday, mostly sunny with a high near 79. Wednesday night, mostly clear with a low around 46. And for Sacramento and the surrounding valley, tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 57. Wednesday, partly cloudy, then gradually becoming sunny with a high near 85. And Wednesday night, mostly clear with a low around 58. There are currently no red flag warnings or fire weather watches. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Despite strong economic growth, a tight labor market, and falling inflation rates, the Federal Reserve announced on Wednesday that it will raise interest rates again. The increase brings the Fed's target rate to a high not seen since 2001. Coming up, KVMR's Paul Emery sits down with retired Fed senior economist Gary Zimmerman to try and understand why. This economic report is sponsored by Rick Kalb, wealth management advisor with Northwestern Mutual since 1983 on Spring Street in Nevada City. Rick, K-A-L-B dot com. Gary, uh, welcome to KVMR. It sounds like we got some good news on the economy last week, yet the Fed still raised interest rates again. Could you um, start with the good news and explain why the interest rates went up? (laughs) Well, thank you, Paul. Good to be here. Well, the news has been mostly positive. The preliminary second quarter real, and that's the inflation-adjusted gross domestic product um, growth rate came in at a strong 2.4% for the quarter. Um, And that strong quarterly growth rate contributed to a strong 2.6% annualized growth rate for the economy over the four quarters or the year ending in June of 2023. You know, that's good. Um, You know, what does it mean? It, well, at least through the first half of 2023, the growth rate of the economy has not slowed. And moreover, growth has remained faster than average, despite the Fed's actions raising interest rates to slow the economy and lower the inflation rate. So generally, I'd say very positive news on the economic front. Gary, um, were there any reasons for the continued strength of the economy? Were there any sectors that helped drive overall growth? Yes, there were some important sectors of the economy that performed, you know, pretty well during the three months from April through June of 2023. You know, at the top of the list, the economy showed, you know, more strength than than in the areas of uh, investment spending. So, you know, key categories like, you know, business spending to expand their plants and factories and equipment were were up. Um, Infrastructure spending has been strong. And that's especially true in the climate-related investments and for um, state and local governments' infrastructure spending. You know, and consumers are still spending, maybe not as much, but that, you know, still spending, and that helped too. 
Gary, is that faster-than-average growth in the economy the reason for the very low unemployment rates we've seen this year? Oh, I, I would say that certainly are certainly related. Um, and we'll know more about the labor markets when the payroll jobs and the unemployment rate figures are published later this week. Um, still at the end of June, the overall unemployment rate at just 3.6% was near a 50-year low. Uh, moreover, the underemployment rate, and that includes a broader measure of workers, including those who may be working part-time but who would like to have a full-time job or those who frequently move in or out of the labor force, you know, that remains below 7%, and that's about where it has been in past, as low as it's gotten in past expansion. So labor markets are clearly tight. So, Kerry, with the stronger economic growth and tight labor markets that you've described, uh, what are the recent inflation indicators showing? Is the inflation falling, holding steady, or on the rise? Well, Paul, there's good news on inflation as well. The latest personal consumption expenditure price index for all items, that's the, the total index, um, that's the inflation measure the Fed uses as their 2% goal. Um, it uh, continues to slow towards the Fed's 2% goal. Um, and just as the consumer price index, another measure of inflation has been doing as well. Uh, but it's, you know, the inflation numbers aren't there yet, and certainly not at 2%. You know, measured over the past year over year uh, period, um, overall personal consumption expenditure inflation, you know, fell at about fell to about 3.7% in annual rate. You know, a year earlier that had been, you know, 6.6%. So, you know, that's a lot of progress and relatively quickly without driving the economy into a recession, but you know, from the Fed's perspective three and and the financial markets as well, 3.7% inflation um, is noticeably above 2%. Okay, Gary, so if the economy is growing and jobs are plentiful and inflation rates are falling, why did the Fed decide to raise their interest rate target at their meeting last week and suggest they might do it again later this year? (laughs) Oh, that's an important question, Paul. I think we should remember that turning the economy around with interest rates, and that's the Fed's primary monetary policy tool, takes time, and there's a lot of sort of uncertainty there, Um, you know, and, you know, and, and right now with um, and tight labor markets, the economy might not be slowing down as fast enough um, to bring down the inflation as far as get it down to that 2% rate. Um, you know, an analogy I might use here is that moving the economy with monetary or fiscal policy is, is more like turning a large ship than a, than a speedboat. You know, you might you might start turning the large ship, but it takes a lot of time before the ship starts responding and, and can complete the turn. So the Fed has been raising interest rates since March of 2022, and, and the economy has slowed some and inflation has certainly fallen some, but but not all the way, obviously. And we wouldn't expect it to be all the way to the Fed's you know 2% long run inflation goal at this point. So why the latest increase in interest rates? You know, I, I think that's going to depend on data. Um, you know, is the economy me turning around what what will they see you know in terms of growth in terms of labor markets in terms of inflation at, at their next meeting um, one other important part of that is that the core inflation 
PCE inflation uh, rate has not fallen as fast. And the core takes out the volatile food and energy components. So it's a little more stable over time. A year ago, that was around 5% on an annual rate. And, you know, and if, if the year ending in June of 2022, uh, that had only fallen to about a 4.4% rate. So, you know, it, it by this core measure, uh, policymakers have you know further further to go and have seen more, much less progress on come bringing inflation closer to their two percent annual rate. And you know, and I think that explains helps explain the increase in interest rates last week. They think the Fed um, needs higher rates and at least one more increase to slow the economy to continue to bring down inflation at a, at a reasonable rate towards their 2% goal. One more question, Gary. Didn't the Fed chairman, Jay Powell, in this press conference last week say the Fed isn't expecting a recession? What do you think? Well, I think that's also very good news. Uh, remember, in the spring, the Fed's staff was forecasting a possible recession. So, you know, based on the positive economic indicators and strength we've seen in labor markets and uh, GDP growth, you know, and as well as you know some other indicators, but but obviously not all. I'm, I think I'm much more confident that the Fed may actually engineer a gradual reduction in the inflation rate over the next couple of years and a and a soft landing for the economy, a, avoiding a recession that typically follows the Fed or or central banks in general, raising interest rates and tightening monetary policy. Um, and with the economy and labor markets continuing to perform well, even after 11 Fed interest rate increases over the past 18 months, it seems like the Fed policymakers think they may have a little more room to raise their short-term target interest rate one more time uh, by another quarter of a percentage point or 25 basis points um, to continue to put that downward pressure on inflation. Um, you know, and as I see it, I'll take falling inflation without a recession any day. So good news. It's like driving a train. When you go into a curve, you have to make some compensations. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> Thank you, Gary. Appreciate it. Talk You're most welcome, Paul. Talk to you in a couple of weeks. Gary Zimmerman is a retired senior economist for the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco and is currently a visiting professor at the Vienna University of Economics and Business in Austria. He teaches courses in economics and finance. That's our newscast for this Tuesday, August 1st. Head over to our website, kvmr.org, or subscribe to the KVMR News Podcast to hear more. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you, and from Milkman Toner Company, providing local hometown service for network printers, copiers, and scanners. Carrying remanufactured toner cartridges with printer support. Serving Northern California counties from San Francisco to Lake Tahoe. Milkmancompany.com. And MEC Builds, Nevada County roofing contractor with over 20 years of experience. Providing complete roofing services, gutter products, sun tunnels, and skylights. The showroom is at 316 Colfax Avenue in Grass Valley, mecbuilds.com. Support for KVMR's Future of Radio project comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director, Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Julia Jem. Have a great night.